And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this Friday. Casey Disclair here. It is our final show of the year 2023. What a year 2023 has been. Whew, personally, uh, a whole lot of stuff went on, but we are proud to say that we are entering 2024 better than what we were when we entered 2023. That's always the goal in every year. We've got a fun show coming your way today. Uh, we've gonna, we're going to run through the scores in the area. There were a bunch of them yesterday, boys and girls, both. We're going to run through that as we always do in the opening segment of the show. Um, then we're going to go to coach Chandler Guitro, South Lafouche baseball at 1145. We'll have him on for his regular Friday interview spot. Um, and then today we've got Damien lined up. Damien has been busy on some of these Fridays. We've kind of lost uh, track of him a little bit, but we're going to get him at 1215 to talk about some things that are going on at Golden Meadow Middle School. You know, he's the boys and girls basketball coach there. South Lafouche Biddy naming some all-star teams and all that good stuff. But also, we'll chat with him about, you know, the Saints and LSU and WWE and, and all the stuff that we chat with Damien about. So we're super excited about that. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the LSU Bowl game. This will be our final show here uh, before the Tigers will take the field on Monday, taking on Wisconsin uh, out in Florida opportunity for LSU to win their 10th game of the season for the second straight year under coach Brian Kelly. So let's dive in here and let's, you know, we, you know, how we do ladies first, we're going to start with the girls basketball scoreboard from yesterday. These were games, December 28th, a uh, big old Thursday slate, and we'll let you know how the games went down. Hanville and Terrebonne are on the schedule. I don't have a score report, uh, score reported from that one. I don't know if that game did or did not take place. Um, I will try to get some details and some intel on that one before we wrap up. Newman got a 55-42 to win over Thibodeau over at the St. Joseph's Academy Tournament. Newman, a 2A school, gets a victory over 5A Thibodeau, earns a bunch of power points. Great win for Newman, beating a very good Thibodeau team. Assumption gets at the St. Joseph's Academy Tournament, gets a big old win, 57-44. to They defeat Cabrini. Good win for the Mustangs. Look, I got to tell you, um... I've been a little surprised by how much of a struggle it's been at times for Assumption this year. They return a lot of pieces off of a team that I thought was really good last year. They made it to the playoffs, played Ellender in the opening round, gave Ellender everything that they could handle in the opening round. Like I thought coming in, like, hey, Assumption's going to be one of the best teams in the area. Um, hasn't quite worked out that way for them yet this year. Kind of a little bit of a slow start. Um but they get a big win over Cabrini yesterday by 13 points. A good win for Assumption there in that one. Also in 4A, South Lafouche goes on the road and gets a big one, 47-43. to A win over Central Catholic. Good win for Coach Darian Jenkins and her team. Madison Bruce and Nyla Lyons lead the Lady Tarpons in scoring. I was not at that game, but Coach Ron Case, who was, said that South Lafouche won that one in part because of a big performance from behind the three-point line. Got a bunch of shots, from, um, got a bunch of deep balls, and that helped power South Lafouche to a big old road win against the Central Catholic team that's going to win a bunch of games. So that's going to be a good one uh, over the long haul for Coach Jenkins and her team. We go to 3A. Berwick falls to Brobridge 46-21. Berwick had started the year like 12-0 or something like that. But when you read between the tea leaves and you look at who they had beaten, they had not beaten any quality uh, um, oppositions or competition uh, now they're starting to play quality competition, and they're they're getting kicked around a little bit. Brobridge puts it on them yesterday, forty six to twenty one. 
Over at the St. Joseph's Tournament, Mount Cormel gets a hard-fought victory over EDY 34-27. Defensive struggle. The 5A Mount Cormel team gets a win over the 3A EDY team. Good, not a terrible result for Coach Sinak and his team. Um, but, man, I know that's that's going to be one that they're going to look back and say, man, if we could have just did, did this, this, and this different, we could have potentially had a different result there. But it doesn't go E.D. White's way. Single A, we don't have any results. Well, we we do. Hanson Memorial gets a 29-20 win over Catholic of New Iberia over at the Turlings Tournament. So Hanson gets a win over Catholic of New Iberia. Now, we shift gears and go to the boys' basketball scoreboard. And I could elaborate a little bit more on some of these games um, because these are games that a lot of them I've actually watched <laughs> because I was over at the Core Holiday Invitational yesterday over at, um, at E.D. White. But first, we start off at the Sunkiss Tournament over at St. Thomas More. Brother Martin gets a 59-54 to win over Vanderbilt Catholic. So a good win for Brother Martin, beating a very good Vanderbilt team. Boy, talk about iron versus iron, right? You got Brother Martin, you got Vanderbilt, you got the Sunkiss Tournament, bracket play. Um, talk about a training ground for what you're going to see in the playoffs this time it's Brother Martin who gets a five point win, 59 to 54 over the Terriers. Was not there, but boy, that must have been a sight to see. Now, for our local 5A fans uh, of the 5A district, East St. John started off the year slow. They were like one and six or something at one point. Haven't lost since. And yesterday, they flexed their muscles and showed hey, you know what? Uh, we're really good. Because <laughs> over at the St. Louis tournament out in Lake Charles, they got a 78-72 to win over St. Paul's. If you're beating St. Paul's, you're a good basketball team. East St. John gets a big old win yesterday over St. Paul's. Donaldsonville in our local 3A district over at the Plaquemin tournament. They flexed their muscles yesterday and get a 56-47 to win over Dutchtown. So... Our local district pictures are starting to clear up a little bit, and we're starting to get a better idea of who is and who isn't. In our local 3A district, Donaldsonville is going to be a player. If you're beating Dutchtown, you're going to be a player. In our local 5A district, East St. John's going to be a player. If you're beating St. Paul, you're going to be in the conversation. Good win for Donaldsonville. Good win for East St. John. Now, over at the Core Holiday Invitational, HL Bourgeois runs past E.D. White 76-48. to the Braves got out in transition. They did pretty much whatever they wanted to do offensively. I don't think Coach Kiowet is going to be all that pleased with the way his team played defensively. They did give up some layups and some easy stuff to E.D. White. Um, but this team could score, man. You score 76 points in a 32-minute game, and, and it was really an easy 76. They were getting up and down the floor, playing freely. They got a decisive win on the road against the host school. Great win for H.L. Bourgeois over at the Core Holiday Invitational. At the Core Holiday Invitation on the game that was played over at Central Catholic, Shaw gets a 64-36 win over Terrebonne. Um, the Shaw Eagles are one of the best teams in the state each year. They were incredible last year. Obviously still incredible now. If you're beating Terrebonne by 28 points, you've definitely got a dominant team. Now South Lafouche got to play Shaw today. Ugh. When you look at what Terrebonne did to South Lafouche, and then when you look at what Shaw did to Terrebonne, uh, I mean, it doesn't take Einstein to deduce that the Tarpons are going to be a huge 
underdog there in that matchup uh, later today over at the Core Holiday Invitational. But, hey, you got to play the game. You never know what might happen. At Plaquemine, over the Plaquemine Tournament, Thibodeau got a big win, 67-65 to over St. James. We've talked about this with Thibodeau. When the Tigers score, um, they're going to be tough. Yesterday, they got 67 points, and they got another win. Coach Tony Clark and his team take care of business and get the job done. We go to 4A. Lutcher falls to Bruley, 70-47 to over at the Core Holiday Invitational. Bruley's good, man. Bruley uh, kind of sleptwalked through the, the first half of the game, right? They didn't play well. They were just kind of going through the motions. Didn't look all that sharp. But in the second half, Coach Kirby Loop's team said, you know what, we're tired of it. In fact, I was sitting with, with, with Abby um, yesterday, and we were just kind of small talk and chit-chatting. We weren't paying much attention to the game. At halftime, it's like a four- or five-point game. That She's actually the one who made the comment in the middle of the third quarter, like, what happened? As we look up at the scoreboard, and Bruley's winning by like 22 as they go on a big old run in the third quarter, they woke up in the second half and got a big win over Lutcher, 70-47. to They play with so much, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, vibe and pace, and like they just, you could tell they've got great chemistry, and they're a really good basketball team. They get a 23-point win over Lutcher. South Lavouche last night, Belchase didn't put the score into the LHSA website, but I could tell you Belchase got a win over South Lafouche. Let me tell you the exact score. I got it here. I wrote about it last night. But Belchase gets a victory over South Lafouche in a hard-fought game, and the score of the game was 67-64. to um, <clears throat> South Lafouche played better on offense yesterday than I'd seen at any point this season. They were getting good shots. They were getting good offense. I think the return of, oh, God, I'm going to say the name wrong. I get the brothers confused. Caden Jarvis, the return of Caden Jarvis from a foot injury makes the team better in a couple of areas. A, I think it makes the team better, obviously, because he's a talented player. B, I think he makes the team better because I think the team competes a little harder when he's out there because they believe in themselves a little more when he's out there. Um. So I think the Tarpons' effort yesterday was good. They got some good offensive shots. They played with good pace. They played um, you know, really well offensively. You scored 64 points. couple of areas. A, you don't block out and rebound the basketball at all. Um, if you're a South Lafouche player and you're listening to me right now, and I know that there are some that listen, put your ass in someone's chest and block out because the lack of effort to rebound the basketball is costing your team wins and losses right now. It's costing your team wins and is giving you losses right now. That, in part, is the reason why you guys lost to Ellender. That, in part, is the reason why you guys lost to Thibodeau. That certainly is the reason why you guys lost last night. I see too much of the old AAU. We're going to just jump up and get the rebound. That's the way they do it in the NBA. Well, guess what? In the NBA, they're 6'9 and they're 6'10 and they got 7'4'' wingspans. When you are a 5'10'' Caucasian male, you're not going to be able to out-jump people for rebounds. So you have to do the dirty work and you have to put your butt in somebody's chest and you have to rebound the basketball. Right? It doesn't look cool, right? I get it. It doesn't look cool. But it's the way that 
you have to play to secure those loose balls because if it turns into a jumping contest, the six foot three and six foot four inch guys that Bell Chase has are going to win those jumping contests and they're going to get second chance points that are going to allow them to score 67 points that are going to allow them to beat you, even though you maybe outplayed them, right? So that's the first thing. The rebounding effort for South Lafouche is not good. Not good. And that's something that Coach Brody Williams and his staff are going to have to fix because you're not going to win very many games if the opponent is just shooting until they make it. That's the first thing. The second thing is the Tarpons need to figure something out here to be better ready to play at the beginning of a game. Because, I've look, I've watched South Lafouche now five, six times, not as much as, as I normally would have at this point in the year. but certainly enough to where I could kind of get a read on what the team is or is not. And one of the things that stands out to me is, man, this is a team that that needs to be behind by 10 before they ever even realize that they're in a fight. Yesterday, you're down 8 nothing. Brody has to call a quick timeout. And yeah, you battle back and you get back in it, but okay, I mean, that's not ideal. Then, okay, you, you fight back, you do the hard work, you get back in the game. And you start the third quarter, and you give up another 10-0 run, and then now you're behind double digits. They're always having to play from behind. They're making things exceedingly difficult on themselves by always having to play from behind. And I was actually talking about Coach Brody with this uh, about this issue yesterday in the hospitality room after the game. He said, man, I, I, I don't know what to do. You know, do we change the the layup routine before the game? Like, I don't I don't know how to fix this. Um, but something's got to get fixed because this is not a talented enough team to constantly be losing eleven to one or twelve to three or fourteen to six. Like, you got to start getting off to faster starts and maybe play from ahead for a change as opposed to constantly be playing from behind. Those are the two biggest things. That and rebounding are the two biggest things that are holding back South Lafouche. But I don't mean to dwell all on the negative. On the positive, you're you're getting some good shot-making from a lot of your players. Nicholas Coleman played really well yesterday. He's kind of coming out of that early-season funk. Bo Georges did some really good stuff. I, I could talk about Terrence uh, Petrie for the remainder of the show and the things that he does and carrying the load as a sophomore point guard. Meathead's playing well. The Jarvises are helping. I like. I, I'm. I, I'm always reluctant to start naming names because you then you then forget people, right? But I did like the effort yesterday. But got to rebound the basketball. Got to show up ready to play because if you continually fall behind, it's going to create bad situations. Patterson yesterday over at the Sunkiss tournament gets a 45 to 40 win over North Central. Good win for the Lumberjacks. That's a losers bracket game, but. Neither here nor there. If you're winning games at the Sunkiss Tournament, you're doing something right. That's a good win for them. And that is our local scoreboard from yesterday on the boys and on the girls. Um, and we thank everybody for attending the games. I saw some good, a lot of big attendance, big crowds over at E.D. White yesterday. Hopefully people come on out again today and watch a good full day of basketball. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, we are going to go to Coach Chandler Gitros and talk some Tarpon baseball. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this on KLEB. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun 102.7 FM. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? 
Come see us at DoFriendLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the DoFriend difference. Remember, water safety isn't just for the summer months. Water safety is a year-long commitment to our family and friends as well as our community. A few safety tips to remember. Be mindful of children when there is any water around, whether it be pools, ponds, lakes, bathtubs, or the bayou. Keep all bodies of water secure with fences, gates, and covers when not in use. Drowning does not discriminate. It happens to people of every age and swimming ability. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus the River Parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. It is our final show of the year 2023, so it's only fitting that we go to one of our most regular guests in the year 2023. That's South Lafouche baseball coach, Coach Chan Legitros, who's on the line now. Coach, how are we doing today, man? Hey, good morning, Casey. Doing well, and y'all? We're doing fine, bro. Doing fine. Look, I know we, we say this, it feels like for two months now we've been leading off with, well, you know, after the holidays, you're getting rolling, and, you know, you guys start doing more. Well, after the holidays is pretty damn close to here now. Uh, we're going to be starting January next week, and things start to rev up, man. Um, I know Christmas just passed, but it probably as a baseball coach got to kind of feel like Christmas Eve because you guys are about ready to start putting the pedal to the grindstone here and getting ready for the 2024 season. Yeah, for sure, man. Look, we're uh, we're excited. The kids had a great offseason. We, uh, we saw a tremendous improvement in so much of them. Um, you know, coming off a pretty successful summer uh, season with this new team. So uh, really looking forward to, you know, making those lineups and, uh, you know, mixing and matching and kind of seeing what we got. It's a, it's a brand new team, so we're definitely excited to get to work. What are some things that you guys are, are looking to see in, in an off season? I know football, they say, all right, well, we're going to get bigger, faster, stronger. And you're looking to see guys improve their bench press and guys improve their shuttle time or their 40 time and, with baseball, are you guys looking to see improvement in terms of miles per hour on on the mound, or, or do you guys measure bat head speed? You know, like how fast the kid's swinging. What are some metrics that you guys look at to know? All right, hey, this kid actually is getting better. 
Yeah, with us, I mean, the biggest thing we use, obviously, is the radar gun just to see uh, see the growth. And uh, not that the radar gun is the most important thing uh, in, in pitching, but it just shows the, the growth in the kids' uh, total body development. So uh, that's something that we definitely look at. And uh, really, our big perspective uh, or our big thing is keeping our kids healthy and preparing their bodies in a way that's going to be able to keep them healthy throughout the season. So, um you know, more than uh, gains or improvement, that, that's really the big thing is building up their bodies to be able to sustain a season and make sure kids are staying out of a doctor's office and make sure that we're, you know, doing right by the kids and putting them in a position where they can safely play this game. One of the things or one of the guys that I like to talk about is Cooper Worley. I know that we saw him last year in some high leverage situations as a reliever. And then you were open over the summer and said, hey, man, like we, we want more. We want him to turn into not just a you know one- or two-inning guy. We want him to grow to a three-, four-, five-inning guy and you know, be a starter. Uh, are you guys satisfied with that growth? Because like he's such a unique pitcher to me because you talked about the radar gun a minute ago. He ain't throwing 90, but he's locating and he's keeping – he's changing speeds. He's keeping guys off balance. Talk about his development because he's still a young guy, but I think he's going to play a big role this year. Yeah, look, he's a, a, a tremendous pitcher. He comes with a lot of confidence, man. I love what he brings on the mound. Uh, and he, I, I said this uh, <laughs> to somebody, and they didn't believe me. He's one of the more competitive kids on our team. You know, he doesn't look like it. It kind of looks like he just rolled out of bed when he jumps on the mound. But that kid's competitive. He wants to win, uh, and he wants to get outs for our team. So uh, we've, we've seen a lot of growth. Uh, we're working with different pitches with him. Um, we're, we're still deciding, uh, is he a guy that you want to be able to use once a week? Or is he a guy that, you know, coming off a guy that throws a little harder, you could throw three times a week for an inning or two and kind of bridge the gap to get wins. So, uh, we're going to see how we want to use him. uh, you know, looking through these scrimmages, but, uh, his role last year was huge for us. I mean, he probably, uh, if he didn't lead our team in appearances, he was pretty up there. So. Uh, it's just deciding how we want to use him. Do we want it to be a max effort guy once a week, or is he a guy that you want to be able to pitch two to three times a week? Talk to us about, you know, you said the last Friday when you came on, you said, man, like I, I like some of the pop we got. I think that some of our bats have grown and some of our guys have developed and we're going to be able to go gap to gap and, you know, slug better. And talk about the construction of your lineup because – you know this. In years past, what it ended up being is not anywhere close to what you guys thought it might be whenever you started the season. There was one year where Ducey is hitting home runs out of like the seven hole or something like that. And I mean, you guys just kind of found it. Talk about the, that approach, man, because you guys got to be patient with that. Football and basketball are a little different. Your starting five is going to be the same for basketball by and large. Your starting offensive line and your receivers in football, it's pretty much going to be the same if the guys are healthy. Baseball is a little bit different. There's a little bit of a science there, and I'm sure it's 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 always unique to see how it plays out during the course of the year. Yeah, and look, I always go back to that 2022 season. I, I never would have, uh, you know, going into that preseason, saw a kid like Dylan Frazier being in the starting lineup. That kid hit like 340 for us and stayed in the lineup the whole year. You just kind of never know when a kid gets hot and they, they put the work in, which is with Dylan. And he, he was one of those guys that stayed late after practice every day and put the work in. Uh, but for us this year, uh, some certain things that we like, I think JP moving from two to one uh, in our lineup is going to kind of be where we started at. And one uh, move that we kind of made over the summer, uh, Jack Day was our three-hole from game one to game 30 last year, and he did a great job for us. Uh, we're looking at moving him up into the two-hole just to have righty, lefty, and come back with a righty. And Jack, I think uh, right now I could, I could say he's probably our best overall hitter right now. 
Uh, I think he has all district potential. He's, he's pretty doggone good from that left side and has a lot of pop. But uh, we're going to like moving into the two-hole behind JP. And 3-4, uh, it's uh, do we put Camdenberg at three or do we put him at four? Can a guy like Brock Johnson or Josh Mack take that three-hole spot? Uh, could a wild card like, uh, you know, a Caden Angelet or somebody like that? Uh, you know, you never know. Uh, we have a lot of guys that are staying late, putting extra work in. I'm so excited to see how we do uh, once we'll scramble to start and, uh, you know, really see what we got. Last year, I really believe, and, man, I, I heck, I've told him this. I, I thought Camdenberg was your most unlucky hitter. It felt like, boy, he was just destroying the ball right at people or, you know, just didn't, couldn't buy one at times. And and, and I, I felt like it affected his confidence a little bit, and he kind of got down on himself. How do you guys let him know, like, hey, bro, like, just keep doing what you're doing. They're going to start dropping. But it felt like last year there were stretches where – out of 10 at-bats, he was finding the barrel seven times but would maybe only get one hit because he just couldn't buy one. How do you make sure that he's continuing to do the the things that are getting the barrel and not trying to change anything even though the results are not going his way? Right, like he had tremendous pop, and Camden was a guy last year that had to adjust to be a hitter in the middle of that lineup. Uh, you know, at certain uh, points in the year early on, uh, I think that he passed up on some very good pitches to hit you know, not realizing as a four-hole hitter on our team, you might get one fastball down the middle every fifth at bat. You know, so you really got to make it hurt when you get it. And uh, once that started clicking for him, man, he smashed the ball. I thought he could have had five home runs last year. I remember at a uh, at Ascension Catholic and at uh, Hornville, balls that just peppered the top of the wall and about the bat looked like they were way gone. So uh, Cam's just such a great kid. He had a I think what helps him, too, being a football player to have had that success in the football field, he understands competitive sports. You can have ups and downs. And baseball is one sport that, you know, you could uh, crush the ball for seven innings and the other team could hit bloopers and theirs fall and yours don't, and they beat you. So uh, just keep doing what he's doing. I think he's going to have a tremendous year as well. Last year, you guys pitched it really, really well. And it kind of gets lost because you guys struggled to score at times. So there were some games where, you know, you'd maybe lose four to two or three to one or whatever it may be. But how do you keep that that standard? Because you lost a lot of those guys who were starting. There's no more Jacob Curo. There's no more, you know, Sanimo. And a lot of those guys that were putting some goose eggs on the board are no longer there. How do you make sure that, you know, yeah, hey, our offense is going to be better but we're not sacrificing pitching either because, you know, you need both of them to win. How do you make sure that those new guys are going to be able to hold that tarpon standard that you guys set in the last couple of years on the mound? Yeah, I think uh, I give all credit toward that to Coach Bucky Angelette. I kind of give him free reigns with our pitchers. He, uh, that This is all him. All our success over the last few years is, uh, is from him. But he has established a standard. We have a certain percentage of strikes we want, first pitch strikes, total strikes, spots we track all that we chart all that we have numbers and even in our bullpens we make it competitive our kids go against each other it's a competitive bullpen not just a guy throwing just to throw uh we score each other every day and uh we are working toward a standard as far as strike percentage first pitch strike percentage and spots plus strikes so um coach bug does a great job keeping those guys after every game he'll send a text message out with me and everybody that pitch their numbers in a game and whether they hit the standard or not and what the result was so uh coach does a great job with that tracking and holding kids accountable and our kids are so freaking bought into it you ought to see these guys in the bullpen grading each other competing it's very fun to watch as a coach no that's awesome dude um look there's going to be a proposal that's going to be voted on in january which is going to if passed mandate that schools are going to have to play district play 
based on the division that they're slotted in uh, playoff play, which would mean that if South Lafourche stays Division One, which we suspect might be the case, then you guys would have to be in a Division One district, which means likely would be in a district with Centro and HF, Bourgeois, Hanville, Destrand, yada, yada. You have said on the show that you wouldn't mind if that were the case, but my question to you is, if that passes... That's not going to be for the 2024 season, right? Like, they, surely they would let you guys have a year with your schedule that's already been made, right? Like, we're not going to redistrict you guys right now and ask you to reschedule right now, right? I mean, that's not what's that, what's at stake here, right? Correct. Uh, you're, you're exactly right on that. That would be for the uh, 20, I guess, uh, 24, 25 school year. Uh, whenever E.D. White would be moving into our district. So, uh, correct, we would, we're going to play our schedule as is, no matter what happens. Uh, just like last year, uh, well, I say that last year they changed the playoff structure <laughs> on us. And, uh, with, with, I don't dude. It's uh, it's so frustrating. And uh, I feel a, a little bit more at liberty to, to speak my mind on it just because I don't work for the state of Louisiana or for the LHSA. I work for South Hoosh High School and uh, what they're doing to – us is a, a damn shame it really is man uh we have 4a school we should be playing in 4a playoffs in a 4a district but uh i've said it many times if we're going to play division one i want to play that uh you know it's such a short part of your season district plays only uh you know seven games now um it'll, i guess eight whenever ed white comes in so it's, it's all, such a for baseball it's 130 a season for football it's 70 to 80 percent of your season that's a big difference but uh you know, to me, if we're going to be in the Division One playoffs, I might as well play the Division One district. Bro, um, you know, you talked about the desire to be 4A because you guys are a 4A school. And, I mean, there's nobody that, that believes in that more than me. I've said that a million times here on the show. But talk it like there's so many little things here that that people don't think of. And and it's it's bigger than, oh, bro, are they going to have to go play Dutchtown? And Dutchtown has 1,700 more kids. It's bigger than that. It becomes a financial issue. You've already told me the math. Last year, if you guys were in Division Two non-select, you guys would have been hosting in the opening round. That's big money, especially down the bayou. To pack the park, that's big money. As opposed to if you guys would have got into the playoffs in Division One, and I get that you guys missed out, but if you'd have gotten in, you'd have been on a buzz going to Timbuktu. That costs money. Like there, it, it becomes a financial thing, man. Dollars and cents. They are costing your program resources that you guys need. It's bigger than just the competitive aspect of it, which is huge in and of itself, but it trickles down and it touches everything, bro. No, for sure it does, man. And uh, look at... <laughs> Uh, like like you just said, man, we're in the, the correct playoff bracket that we started the school year in. We're hosting a playoff game, but the entire perception of everything changes, man. The, the entire you know high school experience for that senior class got taken away from them by no fault of their own, just by some decision that somebody made at the state level. So, uh, but no, you're right. It uh, it changed everything. The perspective, the finances, just. Uh, it's big, man. It, it, it's a huge shift uh, going from being, uh, I don't want to say that this is the wrong way. I hope people don't take it out of context, but being one of the big dogs in the bracket that you were in to now being, you know, uh, I don't know if we're the smallest Division One school, but we, we put it down there. So, yeah, everything, uh, everything changed with those decisions that they made last year, man. It's a shame. What are some things you're hoping to see in the next couple of weeks, man, as you get into that, you know, you're kind of in that last final stretch run of the offseason before you could officially open up practices. What are some things you're hoping to see to let you know, all right, man, our offseason program is kicking and, and, and we're ready to go when practices start? 
Right. Whenever we get back, we just want all the kids, uh, you know, arm stealing good to, you know, kind of solidify what we did all fall uh, was the right thing, which it, which it was. And uh, just, you know, making sure we're going to get them back on the radar gun, that everybody's staying consistent. Um, those first couple of weeks of January, we're just taking one thing a day. We'll go over my covers one day, first and third, one day, just install the entire playbook. And then by uh, January 22nd, we were rocking and rolling. So our big goal as coaches is to have the team, uh, whenever we hit that uh, January 22nd date, just ready to ramp up. We ain't got to teach uh, too much. You know, they already have the playbook installed, and we just wrap it, and we get ready to rock and roll for that February 19th opening day. What are you expecting to see from the Nuz bus on Monday, bro? Are we going to see a big day from the Tiger offense, or is it going to be a little bit of a struggle? I think it's going to be fine, man. It's uh... – uh, I hate to say it like this, but you're playing an inferior opponent. Your offensive line is, uh, should be able to control the game, and you should be able to do whatever you want. Uh, offensively, I, I think it's going to be fine. It's uh, defensively, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it could be a shootout. But, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the results are good. And, look, the, the big thing is you're going to find out what you got in Garrett Nussmeyer. If, if he's your guy, you're going to see it here. If he struggles in this game, then that, that's, that's a red flag. You know, three years into the uh, – Three years with the team, two years under the system. If he struggles against uh, this opponent with Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, red flags are up, and you go get that transfer portal fired up. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, brother. Look, man, uh, merry late Christmas. Happy early New Year. Thanks so much for the time. Look forward to chatting again soon, my man. All right, same to y'all and everybody at uh, Coastal Broadcasting. Thank you for all y'all do. Yep, that is Coach Chan Legitros doing an excellent job, as always. We always look forward to chatting with him on Fridays. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my thoughts on the LSU Bowl game, and then we got Damien coming up at 12:15. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this on KLEB. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in LaRose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the confident and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, the back road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. During this festive season, we extend our warmest wishes to you and your loved ones. May your holidays be filled with joy, and may the upcoming year bring you even more reasons to smile. From all of us at South LaFouche Bank, have a wonderful holiday. I know that we're here to wish you nothing but the best. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse, 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? 
Come see us at DoFriendLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the DoFriend difference. Damien St. Pierre will be joining us in the next segment of the show. We thank Chandler Guitros for his time. It's play-by-play, our final show of the year 2023. I promised you that I would talk about the LSU Bowl game in this segment. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into that because it's a very short segment here. We got Damien coming up at 12.15, and I want to be able to kind of elaborate a little bit on some thoughts, so I'm going to do that a little later in the show. Uh, right now, in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Clemson is leading Kentucky 10-7, to but Kentucky's at the five-yard line trying to drive down the field and score and take the lead over Clemson. Boy, we hate us some Clemson, so hopefully Kentucky can get a win there. Um, last night, I saw one of the most entertaining things that I've ever seen. Uh, we had a bunch of bowl games yesterday. Uh, Arizona got a win over Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. That was kind of the premier matchup. Arizona has a 17-0 run in the fourth quarter. They rally from three points behind and win by two touchdowns. Um, so 38-24, great win for Arizona over Oklahoma. Yesterday I saw the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which was played between Kansas State and NC State. And I've got a confession to make here. I am a law-abiding citizen of the state of Louisiana and of the parish of Lafouche. 99.99% of the time, right? Every once in a while, I might go a couple of miles over the speed limit. But that's pretty much where my law-breaking activity ends, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm a good person. I, I take pride in being a good human being. I am a good Christian citizen. I try my best to do right onto others. I try my best to not do harm onto other people. I try my best to give love and give support, to not judge, do all the great Christian things that we're supposed to do. And I'm not preaching religion here. I promise you we're going to get back into sports. As Kansas State won the uh, won the Pop-Tart Bowl yesterday over NC State 28-19, to they were rewarded with the opportunity to eat a giant Pop-Tart. The Pop-Tart was walking around the field throughout the course of the game. Apparently, it was edible. They were all digging in, breaking off pieces. I will say this. For as much of a law-abiding citizen as I am, for as much as a prideful Christian male as I am, I would do dirty, nasty things to eat a giant Pop-Tart. I am a huge Pop-Tart guy. When I saw yesterday, those student athletes were able to eat a massive, probably a 100-pound Pop-Tart yesterday. I was envious. I know that the Bible says I'm not supposed to live with envy. I was envious yesterday of those folks at Kansas State who got to enjoy a massive Pop-Tart yesterday. 
And by the way, the best Pop-Tart flavor, I've seen this debated on Twitter and social media, it's s'mores. There's not a second place. It is s'mores, and then everything else is way behind. Anybody who disagrees, you're wrong. It is s'mores that is the best Pop-Tart flavor. But that goes along to a bigger thing at play here, right? How often do we hear Angry Joe barking and hollering and hooting and screaming throughout the bowl season. Ah, there's too many damn bowls. Why is this team in a bowl? They're six and six. They don't deserve to be in a bowl. There's too many bowls. Ah, millennials. Everybody gets a trophy. In the last couple of days, I have watched A USC quarterback that no one has ever heard of throw for six touchdowns in the Holiday Bowl. That was entertaining as hell. I have watched Texas A&M lose a game, which is always a joy to folks in Southeast Louisiana. I have watched a West Virginia head football coach get dunked with a bucket of mayonnaise, which is incredible. I watched a very entertaining Alamo Bowl between Arizona and Oklahoma. And I watched college students eat a 100-pound Pop-Tart. Where else in the middle of December to late stages of December, when everybody's at home because it's holiday time, where else are you going to get that type of entertainment? So for the person who's yelling and screaming and barking, oh, everybody gets a trophy. Oh, there's too many bowl games. Oh, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see it. Then don't watch. Because guess what? There are people like me who don't have a social life (laughs) who do want to watch a thousand bowl games over the holiday. I go the opposite direction. I say everybody should get into a bowl game like Oprah, like an episode of Oprah. You get a bowl game. You get a bowl game. You get a bowl game. And if that means that we have so many of them that we have a bowl game in cutoff called the Gumbo Bowl because there's so many damn teams in the bowl game, then guess what? I would watch that too. They're 18 to 22-year-old kids, man. A lot of these kids don't ever get an opportunity to travel the country outside of the confines of their sport that they're playing. So the fact that we're giving Rutgers and Miami players the opportunity to travel to go play the pinstripe bowl, the fact that we're giving SMU and Boston College players the chance to play a game in Fenway Park, the fact that we're giving Kansas State and NC State players the chance to play for a 100-pound Pop-Tart, the fact that we're giving... Um, West Virginia and North Carolina guys, the chance to play in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl knowing, hey, man, we're going to get to dunk our head coach in mayonnaise if we win the game. Those are things that those players are going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. They're kids, man. Let those kids experience that. A lot of those kids come from underprivileged homes and would never get the opportunity to go to Orlando or Tampa or Boston or wherever to go and experience that. They're going to look, we think about bowl season the wrong way in terms of, oh, well, this player's opting out. This guy don't want to be there. That guy's in the transfer portal. 
It ain't about that. It's about the backup offensive guard who's been busting his ass playing football since he's six years old to get to this spot, to get to this game, who now is going to have an opportunity to make a vacation trip to Orlando, Florida that he's going to tell his kids and his grandkids about for the rest of his life. And oh yeah, the game is on TV to boot, so he's going to have footage of him being at that facility and at that game for the rest of his life. Too many bowl games. Oh, there's too many bowls. Oh, everybody gets a trophy. Oh, man, we are as a society, we're ruining the kids. Oh, these doggone millennials. That's a you problem, Mr. Karen. That's a you problem. These are college student athletes who are asked to play a sport while juggling the responsibilities of being a full-time student. The fact that we're affording them the opportunity to do something nice that they maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to do over the holidays, that's in the spirit of the holidays, and that's also something that I think is cool as hell. The fact that Coastal Carolina got to go on uh, December the 23rd to Hawaii To play a bowl game with San Jose State is cool as hell. The fact that Northwestern got to go to the Las Vegas Bowl, got to go to Vegas for Christmas to play Utah is cool as hell. The fact that Georgia State got to go to Idaho to play the Idaho Potato Bowl is cool as hell. And if you don't like that, then it's very simple. Just don't watch. Just don't watch. That's all you got to do. Just don't watch the doggone games. I believe we got a caller. You're play-by-play. Good afternoon. How are we doing today? Uh, we're doing great, but we're trying to figure out what in the world is Bobby LaFouche going to do with the host of play-by-play once these bowl games are finished with. <laughs> you are going to go into a state of deep depression for six months. Yes. What are we, we going to do with you? Well, thankfully, once the bowl game's in, we got NFL playoffs, and it, there, there are always some other things to pay attention to. I guess we're going to have to start making road trips to, uh, let's see, uh, March Madness and uh, <laughs> College Baseball World Series. All right, I'll start lining up the Do you know the the, the boss of Coastal Broadcasting? Can we get a direct line there? (laughs) Let's connect with him, and I think we should uh, maybe do a show from the next WWE uh, function. (laughs) That sounds like a... Morgan City Gym, I don't care. Let's go. That sounds like a winner. All right. Have fun. Happy New Year. Enjoy your bowl games. And uh, I guess I'm going to listen to see who's going to win. There you go. Happy New Year, brother. All right, Doug. There's Truck giving us uh, his thoughts. I love the bowl season. I've always loved the bowl season. But, look, we're up against a break. we got to get Damien on the line. It's play-by-play. We thank you guys so much for uh, listening on this Friday. We'll be right back after this. We are the soldiers of the Louisiana Army National Guard. We are your neighbors. We are your sons and daughters. While we serve part-time, we are learning valuable life and job skills. We are earning money for college, for trade, and technical schools, and for certification. We are proud to serve both our country and our home state. 
We are your Louisiana Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. What's up? This is Casey Gisclair, and this is why I choose State Bank for all my banking needs. State Bank is a local bank, which means you get a taste of home when you walk through the doors. The bank's motto is Cajun Banking. Serve just the way you like it, and that's for a reason, because you're always greeted by a real banker who provides smiling service. But State Bank also has the latest banking technologies, which means you get the best without having to sacrifice that personal touch that we all love. So go visit them today at one of their many locations. They're proud bankers serving a proud community. Resilient bankers serving a resilient community at State Bank. Now 70 years strong. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the presents under the tree, the people who put them there, and the extra spark of gratitude the season brings. Happy holidays from Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Tracy Lamell, a physician with Blue Cross, here with a health note. Heart disease affects men and women almost equally and is the leading cause of death in the United States. That's why it's so important to monitor your health and have at least one checkup a year so your doctor can check your blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol numbers. Catching issues early can make all the difference in your health. So schedule your checkup today. There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard. Welcome back to Play by Play here. Um, Man, if you guys missed the last segment, I've gotten a lot of text messages. People really liked my rant on bowl games and my rant on my love for Pop-Tarts. We go to the phone line now, and we have Golden Meadow Middle School Boys and Girls Basketball Coach, Coach Damien St. Pierre on the line. Newly minted cutoff native Damien St. Pierre. Never thought I would hear myself say that. How does it feel to be a cutoff native, D? I'm still getting used to it, but I am wearing a hoodie from our from our buddy Nick that says Golden Medal Made. So just FYI, uh, my heart and my team still reside in Golden Medal, Louisiana. Casey, I heard you ran on bowl games, and I'm very familiar with the number of bowl games. I enjoy it. Uh, sometimes I like I like watching um, you know just random football games on a, on a weekday. But at the same time, man, with all those bowls and seeing some five and seven teams in there, you know who wasn't in those bowl games? Florida. Kate Pierce, Florida Gators. Did they, did they maybe just miss him, or, or I'm not sure what happened there because everybody told me that Billy Napier was, was the, the next GOAT. I, that's a good question. Florida missed the bowl season, and, and wait, wait, I got breaking news coming into my earpiece here. Oh, it's because they're terrible. That's why they didn't get into a bowl. <laughs> oh, you got to love it, man. Got to love it. And, and they lose their best player to, uh, to Georgia, which I, I was hoping the Tigers would, would have a chance at, which I guess we lost on the, bat, the money battle on that one. Yep, for sure, brother. Look, let, let's talk about this. Um, you guys are on the practice floor for the boys and the girls over at Golden Meadow. Uh, long stretch without any games, but you know this. That means it's a time to get into the lab and get better. Uh, talk about the way the boys and the girls have looked here over the holidays leading in to the new year, which, frankly, is when things heat up and parish play begins, and it's a very busy and very important time for for both teams. Yeah, just we literally just got off the court at 12.05 or 12.07 we stepped off. Um, it, it's been a grind the last couple of weeks, um, you know, with my, my work schedule, my vacation work schedule, trying to get everybody in to practice and the sickness of everybody. We got a lot out right now, almost uh, 40% of our team missing due to just have just fever and flu or, or whatever is going on. 
So having a lot of trouble getting those in the door, and we're, and we're being careful and making sure, like, if you're not feeling good, don't come to practice. Uh, you know, not, not a huge deal. But I got to tell you, the last three days we've had a, a core group of kids that showed up and ready to work. Uh, we talk about controlling your ease, your energy, and your effort, and you could bring that every single day. And um, the boys had, a really, had some really, really good one-on-one work this morning, and the girls came in at 11 o'clock this morning with a really good, really good attitude, and we probably had one of our best scrimmages of our season. And we're looking forward, you know, to the upcoming couple of weeks. We got 39 days of basketball left, and we almost have, you know, 15 to 16 games in, in that that amount of time. So really excited. We're calling this the grind part of the season. Uh, we're going to participate. Our boys are going to participate. Excuse me on uh, in the the racing tournament coming up next Thursday, next Saturday, and the following weekend. Uh, we're going to go visit Coach Pokey and uh, Coach Randy and and the Bulldogs of La Rose. And uh, very very good tournament coming out over there uh, on the following weekend. And we're going to be matched up, go to Meadow and La Rose, and the last two games. Um, and I hope the community come out and and you know support both programs. And they did. It. Coach Pokey did a really good job of scheduling that and, and making it making those games, um, you know, making them mean something. Let's talk about Biddy for a second. First off, congratulations to you. It was your 10th year as, as the president of South Lafouche Biddy. And um, I was kind of tipped off a little bit before you were actually given your, your little gift there from your board that that was coming, and it made me smile. It made me super happy. didn't realize it had been 10 years. So the first thing is congratulations. But then the second thing, man, and I mean this sincerely, bro. Um, you guys did an excellent job this year of making the season feel more important um, in that the kids were getting player of the game awards and, you know, you guys announced your all-star teams publicly and gave out season awards. And look, to me, you know, just putting my myself into the shoes of a 10-year-old, if I were just an average basketball player and I was seeing that, I was thinking like, you know what? I want to play next year for sure. Like a lot of this stuff is really cool. You guys have taken it to the next level. Kudos to you all, man, because it made the weekend experience at the Biddy Gym feel a little more important. And if it feels more important to me as an adult, I can't imagine how much more important it feels to those kids. The kudos to you and your team, bro. You guys did a great job this year. Jason, we definitely appreciate that. You know, we put ourselves in, in the, the same exact position that you just described. You know, you sit and look at yourself at, at 10 to, or, or 7 to, to 12 years years old. What do you want? You know, what, what, what do you want out of the game day experience and, and the league experience? And, you know, putting that together with the experience that our board has of, of all those years of, of running leagues and whatnot, we try to make every year special. Um, and, you know, kudos to Danos showing me some leadership tips and techniques and how to do things. And I, I, I incorporate that into, you know, some of the ideas that, that come up and um, the board does a great job. Somebody will have an idea and it kind of snowballs into something that, that, you know, maybe you didn't think of that you got 15 other ideas that, Hey, look, let's just could do this. Let's go this route. And we had a really, really good, this was probably the best year as far as our board of our communication and, you know, just everything that goes along to it. And you've been there for a number of years, you know what it is. And what goes into it, just to just to have games on a at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning or eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, and bringing in these awards is something that we've been wanting to do. We just hadn't had the time to execute it with the way the seasons have gone, um, you know, with the the COVID seasons and then the Ida seasons. But we've been there, you know. We're consistent. We're playing games, and it, the awards uh, it does mean something. And we wanted to we wanted to make sure that everyone wanted to come back and play next year. You hit that hit that nail on the head as well, and then. We wanted to focus on that the late season, and that's something that we did. I thought we did a really good job on. 
Um, you know, from years past, we had games later in the season, the last couple of weeks, that we'd have to just put together by people just sitting in the sand at the gym because we wouldn't have enough kids showing up. So we kind of got the idea, hey, look, let's reseed the last week of our regular season and make every game competitive and make every game work playing. You got the top two teams. We took the season records, got the top two teams, the third and fourth team played in, in a championship game, a third-place game. Then you got the teams that maybe weren't as competitive to play them against a team that was competitive. I don't know if we had a game um, that that wasn't within single digits of, of, of the final score. And, you know, having those Coach of the Year awards and having those Player of the Year awards and all of that, man, it just turned out to be a really, really good season. And we're hoping that we could kind of keep that going into our, all, our, uh, our all-star season. And we had the, the opportunities to, to make a couple B teams and, you know, field every one of our A teams. And the all-star season isn't what it, what it used to be. A lot of folks just opt out and don't play. you got a lot of other things going on. So to, to make basketball a priority is, you know, for, for, for 12 kids that, that want to play all-stars is a big deal to us. Yeah, for sure, man. No doubt about that. Look, let's talk some NFL for a second. Um, the assumption, just for anybody who's watched the Saints this year, the assumption would be that, well – they're probably going to get rid of their coach because they're not any better this year than they were last. And Dennis Allen doesn't have a great record. He's 22 and 46 and the team has had an easy schedule and I could go on and on, but NFL experts are telling me that the dude's not even on the hot seat and like, he's going to be back next year. And, and my question to you is the same question that I asked to Taylor Griffin It's the same question that I asked to coach Brian Colley is if you're a saints fan, how do you get excited about next year? Knowing that, because, look, if Dennis Allen is back, I don't think anything on the coaching side is going to get any better. And then, B, next year, your schedule's not going to be easy. You're playing the NFC East, which is Cowboys, Eagles, and, like, that's going to be tough. You're also playing the AFC West, which will be Chiefs and Chargers and Broncos. Your schedule's going to get more difficult. And if you don't change anything, how, as a fan and, a, you know, a possible season ticket holder, how do you get yourself excited about investing in something that you know is not going to be worth a crap. And that, that's the thing, Case, you can't. You, you can't because it's, it's the, the game they experience at, in New Orleans. I, obviously, I haven't been to a ton of other NFL stadiums, but it's tough, especially from the outlying areas like our area. You have to drive an hour and a half. You wait in traffic. You pay $60 for parking. You pay an absurd amount for the actual tickets. You pay in $15 for a hot dog. How much easier is it just to sit on your couch and watch the games and, and – be able to just do whatever you want during that during that time frame. It's the only way that that it, and I, it's unbelievable that Dennis Allen's not on the hot seat. He's and we said this every single time, and I haven't been on in a while, so I, I kind of refresh. He's never won anywhere, so to think that you could come in and say, "Hey, look, now we got Derek Carr, now we got Dennis Allen. They haven't been successful elsewhere. They're going to be successful here." is insane to even think about. But a lot of people get paid a lot of money to make those decisions, and that decision obviously was, was made, and they're having to stick with it now. Derek Carr's not going anywhere for at least another two years. Are you going to stick with Dennis Allen and just hope something changes? The only way that that's gonna, the fans could make that, make that I, I guess, vocal is by having empty seats and not buying those season tickets. Because once you get into the season, you got everybody excited, and it's a sellout. The, the, you know, the Bensons don't care about the secondary market. They care about the, the first market that has their the Superdome sold out and they don't have to worry about anything. Um, that's the only way that, that you could go on, on, uh, on radio and, and, you know, trash the ownership and trash the coaches, but you keep buying tickets. They don't care. They really don't care. 
the only way that they're going to be competitive with Dennis Allen as a coach and Derek Carr, they're going to have to get some serious weapons on defense and hope that he doesn't turn the ball over and over again. But to have him not be on the hot seat is ridiculous. You got coaches in San Diego being fired pretty much at halftime of a game, <laughs> and in, in New Orleans you can't. You have two awful years, and you still don't know him on the hot seat. It's unreal. Let's talk about the NBA and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans are every bit as frustrating as the Saints at times. And and what I mean by that is a couple nights ago, you're up 13, 14 points going to the fourth quarter, and then they just stopped doing the stuff that got them the lead. They were playing with good pace and good energy, and then the whole fourth quarter is, all right, dribble, 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 oh, crap, let's shoot a shot with one on the shot clock, and that allowed Memphis to get back in it. Last night, you did a lot of the same stuff. They won last night. They beat Utah 112 to 105. But in the fourth quarter, tried to give it away again and needed to make some plays late down the stretch. You're a basketball coach, man. What's going on there? Like, it feels like this team at the end of games, their biggest opponent is themselves because they're trying to play against the clock and not the opponent. And they just give games away, not knowing how to finish. Yeah, but Case, you didn't hear about Zion's tattoo? <laughs> That's a terrible tattoo, by the way. That's not. It's not centered. It drives me crazy. That's an awful tattoo. Oh man, I thought that was that was the biggest deal in the world. So in in the, in the NBA, nobody plays defense for the first three quarters. That's the difference. You got it. And to me, the Pelicans are scouted enough, and their offense is vanilla enough where they don't have that. That they're gonna be they're gonna be defended a lot heavier in the fourth quarter when the game actually means something. It's like kind of like the whole season in, in, in just in general. Nobody really plays until the end whenever the playoff season is against instructions. Um, so, to me, that's the biggest thing. Uh, the Pelicans, I believe, the other teams have them scouted. And when it gets to the fourth quarter, when, it, when it's crunch time, that's when, that's when the Pelicans start to fall apart because the defense knows everything that the offense is going to do. And then it puts them in terrible situations where you're kicking it to the corner or kicking it to the top with a second on the shot clock, and you got to chunk up a shot to get a rebound and the other team go score because the Pelicans don't play defense at any point during the game. I think that's, 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 that's what's happening, and I believe that's what's happening while those big leads are evaporating. Um, but then you look at, you, you know, you, 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 you flip the, the cup and uh, try to look at it half full. A lot of Pelicans' wins have come, you know, in, in very, very close games, and they, a lot, excuse me, a lot of Pelicans' losses have come in very, very close games, and you got to look at coaching when it comes to that. Um, I just, it just something doesn't seem right, and I, and I really can't put my finger on it. I haven't watched enough, but it just seemed like the team, a couple years before, years when everybody was healthy, like they were gelling, and then even whenever you had Zion go out, which is coming up, I'm sure, it, it seemed like they were gelling enough to be able to compete. And now I just feel like there's there's just a, a, a gear missing from the engine right now. Yeah, it's hard to disagree, man. Look, one of the biggest college basketball games in the country tonight is going to take place in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where a struggling Michigan team that's 6-6 six and six on the season will be hosting a red-hot McNeese team coached by Will Wade. They're 10-2. and two. So my question to you is this. It's, it's not so much about what McNeese is doing. They're rolling. They're 10-2. and two. They're playing very well. Will Wade is back from his suspension. They've got some wins against some quality programs. My question to you is, is now on the flip side to that. When Matt McMahon was hired at LSU, we were saying, ah, you know, the program's a mess and, you know, they got so many guys in the portal and they're about to be on probation. We need to give them some time. Well, the probation thing never materialized and they kind of got cleared of all that. And then now when you see 
what Will Wade has done at McNeese in one offseason, I don't know that the whole, hey, we need some time thing is really all that relevant anymore. Like, is this a situation where Matt McMahon better win some conference games? Like, could that seat already start to be heating up? Because look, it just don't look good when you're struggling two years in and the guy that you replaced is at a lesser school just down the road and is beating everybody's brains in with just one off season. Like, could he already be on the hot seat just given what Will Wade is showing? Hey, it really doesn't take that much time in the way that college basketball is today. Oh, 100% case. The, the seat should be red hot. Um, with NIL and the transfer portal, I believe the coaching lifespan and that, that great period that they had to come in, and anybody, I'm just talking in general, not just, not just McMahon, um, that, that time has been slashed tremendously because you're able to come in and bring in, you know, six, seven guys, and you should be able to compete year one. And then by year two, you should have your program where you want it to be. Now, you're still managing a ton of personalities. We talked a lot about that with Kim Mulkey, how she's had, she had to do that a lot in the, in the, the beginning stages of the season, which seems like they've righted that, that ship. But, you know, being that those sanctions didn't come down and, and you had a depleted roster, yeah, year one, you're, you're going to get that pass, but you had a whole offseason to bring in your guys, and you knew the talent level that it took to compete at the SEC. You knew you couldn't, you couldn't win a ton of games, um, uh, you know, with, with mid-level talent that you're that you bringing in from your previous team, and now you, you know, and we didn't get a ton of those guys. And, and basketball's a little bit different than football because you don't need 90 scholarship players. You, you need those, that eight, nine, 10, those 8, 9, 10 guys that could come in and compete right away. So, yeah, definitely uh, McMahon on that hot seat if, if he doesn't get something done because there's no more excuses. You bring people in, you got a couple years, and if you're not bringing people in, you're not competing. That, 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 that time has been slashed in half almost. Yeah, for sure, man. Look, let's talk about um, LSU and the Tigers' bowl game. They're going to be playing Wisconsin on Monday. Uh, out at Tampa, Florida. Um, good opportunity, man. Uh, you got an opportunity to take some momentum into the offseason. Got an opportunity to win your 10th game. By and large, you have avoided the opt-out bug that everybody else has been hit by. You're just going to be missing a couple of guys here and there. But the elephant in the room, you're not going to have Jaden Daniels under center, which means that it's an opportunity for Garrett Nussmeyer to maybe earn some points that could carry him into next season. But on the flip side to that, there's also a lot of pressure on Garrett Nussmeyer too. Like, because if he doesn't play well, LSU is going to probably go portal shopping or trying to, you know, maybe find some more depth at the position. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword. Is that hey, do we react or overreact to what happens on Monday? Because if Nuss plays great, fans are going to be going nuts, saying that he's going to be the second coming. If he struggles, then they're going to be ready to throw him to the Wolves, even though it's just one game. Like, there's a lot of pressure on Garrett Nussmeyer on Monday, is there not? Casey, we're going to go ahead and use one of my, one of my favorite quotes. You're going to go ahead and keep that same energy that we had with the opinions of Jaden Daniels. We're going to keep that same energy whenever we, whenever we figure out what Nussmeyer is going to do on Monday. But I, I am excited to see him. Um, I haven't been a big fan of his just strictly because I believe in Jaden Daniels so much. But now it's his time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back the guy for sure. I'm excited to see him have that opportunity to take all the first-team reps, to be in the first-team meetings, uh, to be that guy that they're going to depend on for that, for that bowl game and have that preparation time where he's not just coming in against you know, a, a Grambling or, or, or a Georgia State in the third or fourth quarter where it's just mop-up duty. I want to be able to see him come in prepared, 
know, he, he got that, that half against uh, Georgia last year in the SEC championship game. But, again, not – I'm sure he was prepared, but he wasn't the main guy. So, uh, to get all those reps, to be prepared the way he, the way that he's going to be, that we know that Brian Kelly is going to have him ready to go. Um, with the new OC, with 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 uh, with, with Joe Sloan, who I'm, I'm pretty excited about. This young up-and-coming coach that's going to be a great uh, OC, a head coach one day. Um, excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see what the running game is going to do. Um, excited to see the maybe some of those younger guys on the receiving core get there and, and maybe to see if what Matt House could do with a little more prep time to see is he still fighting for his job at the moment. I know we started talking about Nussmeyer, but is, is Matt House still fighting for a possible position next year? I'm, it seems a bit far-fetched that he would be there, but the, the moments that keep coming every day <laughs> yeah. maybe seem to be bringing him back. Dude, if Wisconsin rushes for 250 or 300 on LSU, like you can't bring him back, man. I would have thought that after the early signing period that they would have let him out the door quietly there once everybody's all signed and everything like that. But he's still there, bro. I'm starting to think he might be coming back. I think that's going to be the same uh, the same outlook that Saints fans have on Dennis Allen. It's going to be the same thing that LSU fans have on uh, on Matt House coming back. I, it, it kind of it reminds me of the the, the Bopolini whenever we brought him back. Just those terrible LSU defenses, but we cannot let that happen two years in a row. Our defense cost us a shot to be in the in the playoffs. Not saying that we don't want a national championship, but I, you know, with a with a with a, even just a decent defense, we would be in that top four and we'd still be playing for something right now. You're a recruiter by trade. That's your day job. You're a guy who offers people opportunities by trade. Again, that's your day job. There are rumors and whispers that if Harbaugh goes to the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers, which yesterday he was asked about it and he had a chance to say no, and he did not at all in any way say no. He played a very generic, oh, we're taking it one day at a time thing, which leads me to believe there is some genuine interest there. Do you, or would you, if you were in the LSU Athletic Department, would you be concerned about Brian Kelly possibly exploring the Michigan job? Or is it a situation where you think he's going to be truthful in that he said earlier in the year he's retiring at LSU? And I truly believe he's found a home in Baton Rouge, but I also believe that he's that anybody in that situation is going to be led by the power of the pocketbook. If, if Michigan wants him, they're going to have to pay him a hefty salary, and they're going to have to pay LSU uh, a, a nice fee as well to to get him out of there. Uh, I would be worried, and as a fan of Brian Kelly, I, I am worried. But at the same time, I'm also I'm also I also have a lot of confidence in our athletic director. If that would happen, that we could bring in a, a, a big name and, a, and and get that fixed pretty quickly. I, I'm no longer concerned that we're going to bring in some unproven young guy that that just may you know just have on a whim that we're going to hire him I, I, we're, we're always you know with with scott woodward i think we're always going to have that splash hire uh with our football program especially now you know coming off that 27 scholarship player uh 27 scholarship uh bowl game a couple of years ago i think we're our, our cover's loaded now and it, it's a it's a dream scenario for anybody but definitely in the back of my mind definitely concerned and i i would be as well i've I'm sure he's having Woodward's having those conversations with Brian Kelly, and you know, he he's going to have a plan no matter what. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Look, uh, some surprising news in the fight scene: Deontay Wilder returns to the ring, and I don't know any other way to say it. He got his butt kicked. I, I didn't see that coming. You know, obviously in a heavyweight fight, there are times where you could eat a punch, and an upset could happen because 
you know, every man with two hands has a fighting chance, right? Well, that's not what this was. This over the course of the fight, the gentleman just took it to Wilder throughout the 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 uh, match. And look, what do you attribute to this? Is he just slowing down in age? Was he just not focused? Because it was a big upset in Vegas, and it was a big upset to boxing fans. We didn't expect to see Wilder go down like that. Uh, I definitely didn't. And if I would have if I would have been on uh, if I would have been on with you. I would have definitely said he was gonna he was gonna easily take that fight. There's a term in boxing where you get old overnight, and I, I believe that's what happened. Uh, Wilder's not a spring chicken. He took up boxing pretty late. I think he's 37 years old, um, and he's got some miles on him. You know those that war, those wars with with Tyson Fury. He took some he took some damage, um, and I'm sure in sparring, he, you know, it, 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 boxing's not for the faint. It, it, it's a uh, it's, it's a grind as well. Um, you fighting every day, literally, for your life. Uh, there's no like hold back sparring. Let's do this. It's a, it's you know, if you if you're gonna compete at that top level, you're gonna have to compete sparring as well. And Wilder was never the greatest boxer in the world. He was he was a he was you know one of the best fighters of all time. But as far as boxing, that was never his big thing. His his big thing was I got a jab and I got a really powerful right hand. And um, he wasn't able to do any of that. You know, his reflex his reflexes didn't look too good. And I can tell you, as a, as a 40-year-old man, I no near condition or uh, athletic prime that Deontay Wilder's had. You feel it every day. You feel it every day as you as you, as you hit that age. And um, I think he just got old overnight, and he's got some got a lot of money in his, in his in his pockets to be able to just sit back and maybe coast for the rest of his life and not have to not have to get in camp anymore and not have to fight anymore. I think he figured that part out. I think he I think his career is done, and he could. Uh, he could he could sail off into the distance and have himself a nice retirement. Turtle and I have been talking about this throughout the last couple of weeks. It looks like the Royal Rumble is set up to either be Cody or CM Punk, but then you hear over the Christmas holiday that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is promising some Make-A-Wish kids that he'll be back in the ring, quote, sooner rather than later. Are they going to throw us a swerve? Is The Rock actually coming back this time, or is he just you know playing lip service like I don't know that he would be telling Phipps to make a wish, kids. It sounds like he might have spoiled some of the WrestleMania plans. And boy, if so, we've got a very interesting three weeks of WWE coming up ahead, or three months rather Man, of WWE. We were talking about that last year about him coming back, and I was I was dead set on him coming back, and you know nothing happened with it. And at the same time, that actor strike was going on, so it would have been prime time to do it. Um, he's got a lot of coals in the fire at the moment. Uh, he, he's got a lot going on, but at the same time, that wrestling lives in your blood and it lives in his family's blood. So it wouldn't be a shocker for him to come back, especially if we sell and make a wish, folks. That um, he, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy that would make that promise and, and not come through with it. Casey, I got a chance to, to listen on my my way out from from practice a couple of days ago. You had Coach G- Gage Griffin on from Central Lafourche. I didn't realize he was a wrestling fan. Huge, he a, uh, huge. He gave a really, really good LA Knight impression, man. I was I was thoroughly impressed. No, Gage is is a bigger fan than you or I. He is a huge fan. And and look, speaking of that, like, dude, the company is making money hand over fist. The ratings are good. And I saw the other night at their at their Madison Square Garden house show, like the highest merchandising gate that they've ever had. Like, dude, it's it's unbelievable the amount of money that they're making. It the television ratings aren't where they were in the nineties, but that's strictly because people aren't watching TV the same way. The product is hot as heck, man. You go to the high schools. I, I went to a high school basketball game early this season where all the kids on the bench were doing the LA night. Yeah. Like it's cool to be a wrestling fan again. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that, that changed big time. When I, when I was in high school, everybody had the stone, had the, 
the Austin 316 shirts, and then it kind of faded away after that. But um, you know that that the, the partnership that they have with the UFC that that came along with the UFC media people. It also came along with the UFC fan base, and a lot of those that same fan base, um, you know, they're in, they're they're into both. And you might have got some new fans from there, and and they're they're pretty vocal. But it's exciting to see. You know, wrestling's a, uh, has always been uh, one of my favorite things to to watch and and just be around. And I, I try to catch it as much as possible. And you know, now that that we're in basketball season, I haven't got a chance to watch too too much. But once uh, once February fifth rolls around, I'll I'll be back, and it'll be prime time for uh, to get, get right in the the swing of things for WrestleMania. So I'm excited for that time. Before we let you go, give me a score for Monday. LSU and Wisconsin playing out in Tampa. The Tigers are pretty much opt-out free. We'll have all the starters except Jaden Daniels. We'll give, give us a score and a winner for that one. I think Vegas has a pretty pretty target. I think it was a 9.5-point favorite. I think they opened up at 10.5. I think it's down to 9.5. Um, man, I think Nussmeyer is going to be able to, to score some points. Maybe not getting that 49 range where Jaden Daniels got comfortable with. I'm thinking, man, uh, probably – 35 24 or 35 yeah 35 27 something along those uh, along that score but I think the Tigers get it done I think they'll be they'll be ready to prepare ready and prepared sounds like a winner bro hey look merry late christmas happy early new year thanks as always look forward to chatting soon brother hey, same to you Casey appreciate it yep that is coach Damian St. Pierre doing an excellent job as always let's catch a break when we get back I would deliver on my promise. I'm going to give you the keys to victory for LSU in their bowl game on Monday. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. It's bourbon season. Join Rouse's Markets Bourbon Society and be first to hear about limited-run bourbons and new releases. Rouse's Bourbon Society is for bourbon enthusiasts searching for bourbon baskets and hard-to-find bourbons at retail prices. It's also for bourbon beginners who want to expand their understanding of bourbon's unique culture and heritage. Email cheers at rouses.com and sign up today to learn more about bourbon brands as well as other whiskeys like scotch. That's cheers at rouses.com. Rouse's Markets, the official supermarket of the Saints. Happy Holidays from Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Join us for the wrap-up-the-year sales event. Tis the season to get a great deal on a Ram or new commercial truck, van, car, or SUV. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business or personal use. It is the December to remember, so get a great deal on your dream car, SUV, or truck today at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. It's beginning to look a lot like savings. This is Louisiana State Senator of District 20, Big Mike Fazy. I'd like to thank you all for your continued support and wish everyone a safe and happy holiday season. We are District 20. Home health services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health, where the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about home health services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. So we got some information coming out of the LSU camp today. Brian Kelly held a press conference where he confirmed that 
Uh, let's see. Joe Sloan will be calling the plays in the bowl game from the press box, and Cortez Hankton helped Joe Sloan make the game plan with Coach Brian Kelly's input. Uh, so the Tigers are shifting their offensive strategy with Denbrock going to Notre Dame. Um, Brian Kelly also said this about Garrett Nussmeyer. He said, quote, when you're a backup, you could fake your way through it, but there's no faking it now, and those guys want the ball. He's got a lot of pressure on him. He loves the bright lights. He walks around the building a little differently, no doubt. That's the thing here that is most interesting to me about the LSU bowl game is the Garrett Nussmeyer situation. We become, as sports fans, prisoners of the moment so often. Hell, just a couple weeks ago, most NFL fans were convinced that Tommy DeVito was the next big thing and the Giants were going to have a centerpiece leading their franchise and then no more than two weeks later, He's back on the bench and probably will never be heard of ever again. So my challenge, I guess, to the LSU fan base would be whether Nussmeyer goes for 370 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, or whether he struggles through the game, 189 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, understand and realize that it is just one game. Like, if Nussmeyer struggles early, has a couple of drops, a couple of bad breaks, has a couple things don't go his way, and and the, the game doesn't go the way LSU hoped, do you really put him in the garbage can and go get somebody else in the portal if you think that he's not that player and if you think he's excelling in practice? Likewise, if he throws for 430 yards and Malik Neighbors has 160 yards receiving and Brian Thomas has 115 yards receiving and Kyron Lacey's catching a touchdown, do you really then close your quarterback competition for next season? Just based on one game? So that's the challenge, I guess, would be is that, yeah, it's a super important game for Garrett. There's no doubt about that. It's a huge game, and it could potentially determine the fate of the remainder of his LSU career. But it is still just one game. And when these decisions are going to be made in the future by the coaching staff, it's going to be a coaching staff that will have hundreds of practices on film, dozens of scrimmages on film, And they're going to have way more data than just the 70 snaps he's going to take against Wisconsin. It's just one game. Let's not get too high. Let's not get too low based on what we see in that one game. So what I want to see from LSU in the bowl game Monday, more than Nussmeyer throwing darts down the field, which, by the way, I think he's going to be fine, right? I'm not saying that, and I'm not laying that groundwork as a means to try to make excuses for the kid before the game. I think he's going to be fine. Sorry, I had to turn off the mic to sneeze there for a second. I think Nussmeyer's going to be fine. But the thing that I think is the most important for LSU going into this bowl game and then getting out of this bowl game is I want to see the defense play with swagger, play with purpose, and play like a unit that is going to be much improved next year. 
LSU fans, and probably rightfully so, are all aboard that we have to get rid of Matt House in the offseason train. It doesn't seem like Brian Kelly is as on board with that idea as the fans are because he's still there. And while this year was an unacceptable year for the LSU defense, they were a good unit in Coach Kelly's first season. In 2022, they were a good defense. So we have seen Matt House succeed in that role in Baton Rouge. So now you got, and coaches tell me this all the time, when you're playing true freshmen and it's at the end of the year, those true freshmen are pretty much sophomores now. Those sophomores that have been playing all year, they're pretty much juniors now. You've had, what, 15, 20 bowl practice? I don't know how many you get. Maybe it's 10. I don't know. You get you, you had a handful, a couple weeks of bowl practices. You're facing an opponent that, let's be honest, is inferior athletically to you and is inferior athletically to most of the teams in the SEC. I don't want to see a 45-35 to 35 bowl game with Wisconsin. I want to see the LSU defense show up, show out, stop the run on first and second down. Wisconsin's going to want to jam it down your throat, force them into some obvious third down and long situations, and then go get after the quarterback and a couple of your defensive backs have to make some plays. That, to me, more than anything on Monday is what I want to see. How much growth has your defense had? Because I think, look, at the end of the day, you're LSU. You're going to have a million and five running backs next year. Your running back room is loaded. You're going to have Kyron Lacey. You've got the transfer from Mississippi State. And you've got a ton of receivers who have not yet had their opportunity to shine yet, who next year are going to shine. Your receiver room is loaded. You're returning your tight end and you're supplementing him with a five-star tight end from high school who's 6'7 and who can make plays. Your offensive line is mostly going to be back. I'm not worried about LSU's offense next year. Am I worried that maybe instead of scoring 50 points a game, they might only score 35? Yeah, sure. I guess that is a concern, right? But I still think it's going to be a very good offense. The biggest thing that we all need to see as LSU fans is can the defense go from a defense that gives up 40 cutting that in half, giving up 20, so that next year when you're scoring 35, you're winning 35-20 instead of losing 42-35. Can the Tiger defense play a clean game? And maybe, you know what? Hey, this is foreign concept. Why don't you force a turnover or two along the way? Get a strip sack. Get an interception. Set up that offense. Make things easier for Nussmeyer. Those are some things that I look forward to and I pay attention to when when you're looking at the bowl matchup is I want to see that defense play with a little pride. Makai Wingo's coming back from an injury to play in the game. Why? Because he said, man, our defense was trash all year. I, I want to end it on a good note. You got a lot of juniors and, and draft-eligible sophomores on that defense who are already saying, we're coming back next year. And when they're asked about it, they say, well, our defense was not good and we don't want to leave LSU with that sour taste in our mouth. So can you, in the last month, since we last saw you play against Texas A&M, a game, frankly, that your defense wasn't very good until the tail end. Now, they did make some plays late, but they were not very good in the beginning stretches of that game. Can your defense with those extra practices, those extra reps, facing an inferior team to you athletically, 
Can they get off the field on third down, get some stops, and get the ball back to that offense? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And I'll make a bold prediction. I think LSU is going to play well on defense on Monday. And I think that LSU is going to beat Wisconsin decisively. I really do. The line is 10. I think LSU is going to win by 17 to 20. I think that they're going to get a three-score win over Wisconsin. And I think that they're going to catapult themselves and take some momentum into the offseason. I really genuinely believe that. Happy New Year to you and yours. Um, I've got so many people that I could thank. I'm not going to start listing again, because as I said earlier in the show, you start listing, you start forgetting people, and I don't want to do that. But to our Coastal Broadcasting family who continue to give us the opportunity to do these shows five days a week, thank you so much. You guys have no idea how much this means to me, how much it means to Brian and the whole team and to our listeners, we thank you guys so much. Our listenership has grown so much. I, I can't go to a basketball game anymore without a coach telling me in the gym, oh, man, hey, great show today. You know, you guys are doing a great job. Was getting a text earlier in the show from Brandon Brown. He's listening and was, you know, having a, some fun with our conversation about Pop-Tarts earlier in the show. Like, the people are rallying around what we're doing, and we're so thankful. I hope everybody has a wonderful and prosperous 2024. Hope everybody has a great holiday. Please stay safe. We're going to be back in the beginning of the new year. And then we've also got the Sports Corner tomorrow. So Casey Disclare wrapping up. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, Hope you guys all have wonderful extended holidays from the team here at Play by Play. Love you guys. Y'all take care.